So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast Time. Welcome to the show, everyone. I want to talk about the game versus the Cardinals. Go upon further review. Watched the All-22 film, scoured it, watched it uh, more than I probably should, but it triggers me and makes me go back into my coaching mode where I like to break down film and evaluate players, uh, see where you can get better. That's what I love to do. So I got into this one pretty deep, and there were some takeaways that I definitely had from this game. Uh, and I, I can't wait to get into it in this episode because the 49ers did win, and there was a lot to like about this game. 45 points on offense. They made some big plays on defense. Tarverius Ward with a pick six, but two interceptions in the game. But there's also things and coaching points that I picked up. You know, there's some guys maybe that are flying under the radar that you're not noticing how good they're doing. And then there's other guys that you're expecting more from. And I knew the 49ers were going to struggle stopping the run of the Arizona Cardinals and James Conner. Uh, the Cardinals came into the game with a pretty good offensive attack, attack, averaging over 123 yards per game on the ground. With that being said, though, I did not expect for the 49ers to consistently struggle on the interior defensive line. And I'm going to get it all into that in a second. But it was a, a game where the 49ers were missing two of their big hosses in the middle. And I think it was very clear that Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead's absence was felt. And it wasn't just felt from the interior defensive line, but it radiated through the rest of the defense as well, as not only did the linebackers, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, have to endure dealing with more offensive linemen on them, but also they had Demetrius Flanagan Fowles playing Sam. And even though you know that is normally not that big of a deal, Oren Burks is definitely the better football player. You normally don't have those struggles, but... Got to give Arizona credit. They came out. They ran two tight end sets. They put the 49ers in base 4-3. And they took advantage of Flanagan fouls sometimes. And they really took advantage of the 49ers defense, the absences that they were missing in the interior part of that defensive line. So we're going to get all into it in this episode. Uh, brace yourself. We're going to talk positives and negatives. Like always, the negatives are, are nothing against the player. It's just, hey, these are coaching points, things that players need to get better at and things that the 49ers need to improve on if they want to be a good football team. These are all things that they'll be talking about in their meeting rooms this week. It just has to happen. You have to continue to improve, and you have to be willing to take coaching points, and uh, every single one of these guys are going to get it. But if you're going to be betting, you're going to bet on them. Maybe you're going to bet on 49ers versus Ravens. Bet with Bet Online. All the major pro sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. 
Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today and get into the action. See all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So with this breakdown, I normally will start with offense, uh, but the defense was such a interesting part of this game because they gave up 29 points, a season high. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground, a season high, yet they still were able to win the game. And of course, a lot of that attention goes to the offense, but a lot of times the coaching points when you give up that kind of scoring heads to the defense. And I want to start there. Because everyone knew there was a glaring hole in the 49ers defense. Yes, Javon Kinlaw, he's been playing really well this year. And him stepping in and playing that role is 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 usually pretty fine, right? His rotation, him and Kevin Givens do a good job. But now that your rotation was starting, Kinlaw and Givens, what were they going to look like in the early part of the game? What were they going to look like in the end part of the game? Because whenever Kinlaw plays a lot of snaps, slowly his pad level starts to rise. A lot of players do that, right? It's hard to stay low and play at that level consistently as you start to wear down and get tired. So the more snaps you take, uh, the more you're going to be ineffective as the game progresses. If you're on the field less, you're going to play better. And Kinlaw's been rolling about 20 to 25 snaps a game. Now he was thrust into a bigger role for a second week in a row. This time, Kevin Givens is also getting those reps. Now, here came a little bit of a problem. Your rotation became Kalia Davis, who hasn't played very much very much football this year, started playing against Philadelphia with 19 snaps. Then he was a part of the rotation against the Seattle Seahawks. And then this week, once again, a part of the rotation. And then T.Y. McGill comes off the practice squad. So you could see depth alone was a real problem. Well, the defensive tackles were a huge problem in this game. And it wasn't just... You know, Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill, but Kevin Givens and Javon Kinlaw struggled at times as well. Now, I will give credit to Javon Kinlaw. I talked about his pad level rising as games go on. Early on in this game, Javon Kinlaw was playing low. He was playing with a low pad level, and for a guy his size, it was pretty impressive. Now, he was still getting moved off his spot at times. He was still, uh, they were still being able to duo block, get control, and get up to second level, but he was definitely holding his own compared to the rest. Kevin Gibbons was doing the best impersonation of Javon Hargrave that he could. He was trying to hold his ground. He was trying to penetrate, and he had his moments. But the truth is, Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill got absolutely handled. And Chris Kacerik knew he needed to go with a consistent rotation to make sure he didn't overwhelm Kinlaw and Givens. And so what you had were moments where you had Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill getting absolutely owned at the point of attack. And there were also moments they fought back. I'll give them that. Clea Davis a couple times would get pressure when he was one-on-one, especially uh, get a little bit of push in the pass, passing game. But it was not good. I mean, there were moments where Clea Davis literally got moved three and four yards, whether that was horizontally down the line of scrimmage or vertically and pushed into Fred and Dre. And that became a real problem. Fred and Dre weren't able to flow and get downhill like they wanted to. A lot of times, bodies were coming at them, either their own player's body getting pushed into them or an offensive lineman being able to release and get upfield and get to them. It was a real issue uh, for the 49ers defense. And I think that that really brought into 
question the 49ers run defense overall. I think everyone started to take notice. But I'll tell you this. It's a lot different watching Hargrave and Armstead play the run. It's even different watching Kinlaw and uh, Kevin Givens play the run compared to Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill. They just felt outmatched. And so I give a lot of credit to Arizona. They came with the scheme that we expected, double team at the point of attack. 49ers, T.Y. McGill normally wins with penetration. He was not getting any of that. There wasn't really any plays where he knifed. Even seemingly positive plays for Kalia Davis where he beat uh, you know, a down block on him and got vertical. He didn't do his job. Uh, they were pulling the center and guard, and instead of him following them, which he's supposed to do, it'll take you right to the football. He went completely vertical, and he missed the running back, and it ends up being a big explosive. Those are the kinds of things we saw in this game. It was ineffective play from that you know, third and fourth string defensive tackle. And what do you expect when you roll out there with a guy who's in his first season, basically rookie year, and a guy that's, you know, yes, he's been around the league for a long time, but T.Y. McGill has been on the practice squad all year. So the 49ers were definitely diminished in that area, and it showed up on film, and it made it really tough for a lot of players around him, including that linebacker group. Because one of the things that came uh, to fruition in this game was the 49ers missed a lot of tackles. And they weren't all open field tackles. If they're open field tackles, that's different. But a lot of these tackles happen right in the middle of the line of scrimmage. And part of the reason is, normally, when these running backs go through a hole, there's a very defined area that they can go through. There's not a lot of space for them to be able to move left or right. And so it's easier to tackle somebody in a small space, right? If, if you ever played football and you do a drill and they have the cones nice and tight, you're going to be able to tackle the guy a lot easier because he can't go outside that area. As soon as you widen it a little bit, it becomes more difficult. You might lunge. You change your way of tackling. You might just have to try to grab on. And that's what we saw in this game was a lot of times those holes were just bigger than they normally are when you have those better defensive tackles playing. And so it made it so Fred and Dre had to cover more space even when they're tackling. And it wasn't just them, but it was it was safeties. It was nickel corners. Like everyone had to navigate more space to make tackles where there's normally not as much space. It's normally more condensed. So I thought that overall that plays into it. And you saw the same thing in Cleveland. You had a lot of missed tackles. You had a lot more space. So the 49ers need to make sure that that defensive tackle room gets figured out. Leah Davis is going to be on the shelf for a few weeks. They need to decide if they need to bring somebody else in. But they have to make sure those two front guys are going to be there or they have to bring somebody else who's better in the rotation on the back end. That's all I can say. I can't, I don't want to be, I'm not going to hate on Khalid Davis. He's the developing player. T.Y. McGill, he can play tough, but they were struggling. And that is a definite uh, loss against the Baltimore Ravens. If you have to roll with those guys, the Ravens will handle them in the middle. And it'll be hard to stop Gus Edwards in that run game if they have to do that, because you already have to take your edge defenders and worry about Lamar Jackson. So that was something I noticed for sure. Um, And, Whenever you're talking about linebackers, you see two of the best in the NFL. One thing I found interesting in this matchup was Dre Greenlaw was a little bit slower to pull the trigger than I've seen him all season. Normally, he's up in the action, making a play, uh, letting his instincts take over. But we just seen some mistakes from him. And a lot of the times, he wasn't in his proper gap. He didn't get downhill. He wasn't shedding tackles as well. And it could have been because of the way the double teams were working, it was making it tougher for him to read and tougher for him to be able to get to his spots. I'm not sure. Uh, Fred was still pulling the trigger, going downhill, flying, 
There was times you saw Fred already up there near the their ball carrier, and Drake Greenlaw hadn't even moved yet. So it was a little interesting to see that. Also, early in the game, there was a big explosive pass uh, to Trey McBride, and it was on Drake Greenlaw. Drake Greenlaw uh, came up on his coverage and went to the flats instead of sagging back and help taking away that crosser. And Fred was not happy about it. You don't normally see those kinds of mistakes from from Dre. The good news is there wasn't a lot of mistakes, just that one. I thought it was a little interesting. I don't know if it was the scheme, if it was the way that the traffic uh, looked for him when he was in the box and playing linebacker, but he definitely wasn't getting downhill and being as aggressive as normal, what we see from Dre Greenlaw. So I found that very interesting. And it also was tougher because lighting and fouls uh, was just out of position sometimes. I mean, there's a the, there's a touchdown run uh, for James Conner on the first drive, and the truth is he's just not there. Flanagan fouls. It comes around the backside of the line of scrimmage. I don't know what he's doing. He's supposed to have C gap responsibilities, and he's just not there. So it, to me, it was a little odd. I, I think the mistakes happen, of course, uh, but we've seen some mistakes from the linebackers. And then when your defensive line is struggling, it just compounds the situation. The 49ers need to get Oren Burks back pretty soon. If he could play against Baltimore, that would be much needed. Even though it's only 25 to 25 or 20 to 25 percent of the snaps, still it's much needed to help improve this run defense. Armstead, Hargrave, Kinlaw, Givens, you feel good about your defensive line. If you got all three linebackers, you feel good about your front seven. If those two guys up front are not there. 49ers need to make a decision, and they might need to go make a decision about a fifth defensive lineman and go ahead and bring in a key veteran and then put uh, Kalia Davis on the shelf for the rest of the year. It's not that he's a bad player. He could still develop into a very good player, but I see him on the ground too much. He loses his feet. We talked about his balance in the past. I had talked about how I thought it had improved. Well, guess what? It reared his ugly head again. He looked a little top-heavy and ended up on the ground, so he's still got some work to do. Uh, what do you expect, though, from a player that – played linebacker in college, and then switched to defensive tackle late. There's a lot of development to be there. I don't want to write him off. I still think he could be an, a, a good player. He shows some flashes, uh, but right now the 49ers need steady play against the run. That's one of the keys to winning in the playoffs, and I'm not sure Kalia Davis is the answer for that right now. Let's turn to some positive news for the defense. The secondary, fantastic. Whether it was in run fits, whether it was in coverage, they were just playing really well. It wasn't a lot of breakdowns and coverage on the outside or with the safeties. I thought they all looked good. Yamar Lenore continues to impress with everything he could do, whether he was playing outside, whether he was playing inside the nickel, or whether he was tasked with, while he was in the nickel, being the third linebacker. He was just really good in this game. Great tackling, uh, filling the gaps like he's supposed to. It was, it was fun to see uh, the secondary fly around and make the plays. And Traverius Ward, I mean, the way he drove on that football for that pick six was great. And he he broke it down so great in his press conference, talking about the fact he was reading McBride. McBride would have continued to go. He would have let him go. But McBride sat down, and Kyler Murray was a little late with the football. And because he was, he was able to drive on that ball and pick it off. It was a great play there. And then later on, he's playing zone coverage, airmail ball, interception. But the fact that Traverius Ward has been playing so good since Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, he's been playing good all year, but if you look from the Thanksgiving Seattle game where he took out DK Metcalf, then he went AJ Brown, and then he got hurt against Seattle, didn't play again. But I mean, now against Arizona, another good game. You're just seeing really good performances from Traverius Ward. 
And now the 49ers got to feel like they have a lockdown corner on the outside. I think the interesting thing is about the 49ers is I believe if they had Demo outside, they would feel like they had two lockdown corners. And I don't want to, I'm not throwing any shade at Ambry Thomas because he's still playing really, really good. It just, Demo is just a step ahead, just a step above. He's just fantastic. Whether he's in bump and run, uh, whether he's up, you know, making uh, tackles in the backfield on run game, whether he's blitzing off the edge, Demo is superb. If they had a Pro Bowl spot for nickel corner, Demo should be a Pro Bowler. That's just how good he is. And I think if he was consistently playing on the outside, um, he would probably get more recognition. But whenever you have a really good defensive line like the 49ers, a lot of times the secondary doesn't get the recognition they deserve. And I want to give recognition to Jair Brown. Jair Brown was a great tackler in this game. Open field, flying around. I mean, he would come out of nowhere like a guided missile. It would look like, okay, Fred's about to do this tackle, and Jair Brown would get there coming from somewhere else. I mean, he is intent on making plays and making tackles. And so I love that from the young player. Doesn't really worry about his aggressiveness. Just keeps playing aggressive and keeps attacking. I like what the 49ers are doing with him. They're putting him in good situations where he can be, be successful, playing a deep third. A lot of times playing over the top is good for him. But when he's asked to, and he's asked to come in the box and make tackles, does it at a really high level. So I love that. And then when I'm talking about edge defenders, it wasn't the best edge defender game. I thought they handled themselves the best they could. They were really trying to keep Kyler Murray in check. They were trying to make sure he stayed inside the pocket and didn't get out. So that does limit the opportunities they have to get sacks. With that being said, Nick Bosa continues to be a cut above. He looked so good in this football game, consistently attacking, consistently getting after the quarterback, and he had some great technique to go with it. Don't really, oh, you know, you're not really surprised when you see Nick Bosa do the things that he does, you know, straight arm to risk control, to buy for the sack on Kyler Murray, get the ball out. Those types of things are just flawless. And I got to give Ken Law a little bit of credit as far as pass rush. Once again, Ken Law was getting push on the interior offensive line and then getting in the face of Kyler Murray. And so Ken Law has continued to become a better pass rusher. Like I talked about earlier, Ken Law and the run game, he had some struggles here and there, but his pad level were low. Overall, I thought he competed and battled at a high level. And so Ken Law continues to impress. And if he has to start, I think the Fourniers can feel comfortable with that. The problem is the rotation behind takes a hit when you have Kinlaw as a starter. So uh, I think the 49ers are still hoping to get that back. But uh, Chase Young, you know, had some pressure moments on Kyler Murray. I want to see a little bit more from Chase. But overall, I thought the the edge defenders did okay with what they were tasked to do. And they're going to have a tough one this week against Lamar Jackson as well. Probably going to need to keep him in the pocket. So how aggressive can you be on the outside? You have to make sure you don't go too far upfield. You have to make sure in your rush you're able to bend the corner. But really, you got to keep eyes on Lamar Jackson at all times and don't allow him to defeat you with his legs or, in some cases, just extending the play so he can get the ball down the field to his playmakers. Now, over on the offensive side of the ball, Brock Purdy played a great game. I mean, consistently, again, throwing with anticipation, getting the 49ers in and out of the right plays, uh, just the operation of the offense, being willing to create off-schedule plays, uh, and then just be tough. You know, I mean, he he took some big hits in this game. He put him he put his body on the line and made some really good throws. There, yes, there were some throws that he wanted back, right? 
Uh, Brandon Ayuk, he overthrew him on one. I don't know if that's because Ayuk slowed down a hesitation a little bit. Uh, or the other one, he just underthrew so the corner can make up the ground and get his hand in there. There's a couple throws Brock wants back. And really, all I found was one egregious miss. He tried to throw the ball to Debo Samuel over the middle on a deep cross, and the ball was nearly intercepted. Uh, Debo did a good job of fighting and you know preventing that from happening. But he had Brandon Ayuk one-on-one on, on running a corner route with the safety that was in the deep third. And that safety turned and ran, and he had plenty of room and plenty of area to throw it to Brandon Ayuk for a big play, and he missed it. But the nice thing is we're talking about one play, two plays here and there that you find misses for Brock Purdy for the most part. He's locating every open receiver that he's supposed to find and getting him the football consistently. So when those misses happen, they're less egregious uh, because he doesn't normally miss. Where in game films in the past years, you would find five, six, seven uh, plays where, yeah, there was a, a missed receiver that was a part of the active progression, not on the backside, but a part of that active progression, and there was a wrong read was being made. Brock Purdy doesn't do that. Normally, he makes the proper read and gets rid of the football. So every once in a while, you know, somebody's going to get you, but I thought he did a really good job in this game, and it was definitely the thought process you had coming out, how good it was. It was backed up by the film, but Brock Purdy continues to impress. Debo Samuel talked about this a little bit in his presser, that he felt that there were some blocks that he missed in the game, and he's right. There were some blocks that Debo Samuel could have made that would have sprung Christian McCaffrey for some more yards. I mean, McCaffrey went for 115 yards. Realistically, McCaffrey could have went for over 140, maybe more, uh, with some of the explosives that were missed. And one of the plays he got upended, and if Debo would have made his his block, Christian McCaffrey could have sprung for even bigger play, maybe even a touchdown. That's how open it was on the play. So, uh, yes, Debo Samuel missed some. He self-evaluated. Uh, and said, yeah, this is something I got to work on, and it was clear on film. With that being said, Brandon Ayuk continues to block like an absolute maniac. I got to keep continue to give him props because doing things without the ball in your hands as a playmaker is one of those things that, as a, as a teammate, as a coach, are very endearing, and I think he keeps endearing himself to his teammates the way he blocks, and it's going to make them more willing to want to see him not only get success but block for him when it's his turn. And so I love that mentality. And I love the hard hat coming from the coaching staff and they get to sign it when you know they've been deemed that guy who's playing with that hard hat. It's a great job. And one of the names you're going to see the most on there is Jawan Jennings. And Jennings had himself a game blocking. I know he had a couple catches, but his blocking was fantastic. A couple of blocks in the interior part of uh, the offense that literally sprung Christian McCaffrey. He was tasked with coming in and blocking guys in the middle uh, linebackers, and he was coming off the edge, and he was absolutely whamming them. And normally they call that a wham block, uh, but it's on a D tackle. Well, he was doing it to linebackers on the inside. Tremendous blocking from Jawan Jennings. He did come out of the game with a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. I'm sure we'll know more tomorrow. Uh, we'll get a really good idea. I'm hoping that Jawan Jennings will be a limited participant in practice on Thursday. If that's the case, there is a good chance for him to play on Monday. Likely, uh, likely the extra day gives him that chance. So I'm, I'm very fond of Jawan Jennings playing in this game because I think him and Chris Conley are going to be much needed against the Baltimore Ravens where you have physical linebackers and physical defensive backs. You need physical wide receivers that can block on the edge. And Debo straight knows he needs to block better. If he does, that helps the 49ers out a lot. When your receivers block at a high level, 
that's when your offense goes to the next level. So that was one thing that I noticed on film. McCaffrey's vision, though, it's next level. It is next level. There's one run I, I broke down on Patreon, and he's, he's running to the left. It's a toss play. And he's got Kittle and Charlie Warner working a duo block. And they're getting a push on that outside edge defender, and they're getting a nice push. And so it's creating that void. And that corner comes downhill, and he's going outside. And McCaffrey, like every other running back, would have got vertical, ran into the safety, and would have gotten tackled, but would have got a nice positive gain of 8 to 10+. plus. McCaffrey is so patient. He keeps pressing it to the sideline. And then all of a sudden, Warner comes off on the corner, and Kittle takes a hold of the edge defender, and he jump cuts to the outside, right in between both of them and up the sideline. It's just fantastic. The patience, the ability to jump cut, the vision, it's all there for Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is at least the offensive player of the year. I mean, when you start talking about him as a potential MVP candidate, it's entirely you know, possible and plausible. I know it's a quarterback award, and more likely it's going to go to one of the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, who's the front runner right now. They're the most likely to get it, but Christian McCaffrey is a very valuable piece. And, you know, it depends on what your belief of MVP means. Uh, yes, you can't do it without a quarterback, but, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's just been playing at another level. And his vision, whether it's outside, inside, his patience, uh, just the intangibles he has, it's off the charts. Dude is absolutely spectacular. He leads the league in rushing yards with 1,296, and there's no one even close. And so I, I just think Christian McCaffrey is a special player, and I'm, I'm just thankful we get to see it on a week-to-week basis. And if you like watching film, go check out Patreon. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's brilliant. I, I, go, I get really excited when he makes those big-time plays. And I just brought up Kittle and Warner. Kittle and Warner are so good as a tandem right now. So we've seen it in the past where it was Kittle and Juszczyk, and you'll still see that sometimes. But Kittle and Warner together on the edge were getting huge movement from those edge defenders. Whether that was Gardeck or they were working on saving Collins, they were getting push and creating opportunities on the edge. Now, it's not always there, of course. Sometimes leverage and, and formationally just didn't work out. But for the most part, when they have the opportunity, they succeed. And those things are needed when you play against 3-4 defenses. 3-4 defenses means more than likely five guys on the line of scrimmage and two stand-up outside linebackers. When that's the case, that's where the bubble in the defense is. We talk about this all the time on Patreon as well. Bubble in the defense is an area where you can take advantage and run. And in a 3-4, a lot of times that's inside that Sam or, or, or sorry, uh, outside linebacker or, uh, yeah, the outside linebackers, out inside of them and outside of the tackle, there's usually a bubble right there. So uh, you could create extra hole and be able to run the football there. 49ers uh, take advantage of that very much so. Talked about McCaffrey already, but Kittle and Warner have just taken this blocking game to another level, and those are the types of things that help make your offense stay elite. There's a reason the 49ers average 140 yards per game on the ground, and it's because of great blocking from guys like Kittle, Warner, Juszczyk, Juwan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, and even Debo. I know Debo didn't do it this week, but against Seattle, he had over a 90% grade, and blocking just shows how good they are in that category. Jake Brendel, he had some struggles. I mean, we always know that Jake Brendel, what he's built for is second-level blocks. He's built for moving and being athletic uh, in the zone game. He does a pretty good job. 
able to run past a direct player, right? Get to the next level. He does a good job in those categories. Where's his weaknesses? Being able to anchor in the passing game. A defensive lineman can push him back. That's a struggle. And also sometimes when he's a point of attack player, when he's got to get right on somebody and it's not a part of a duo block, he can struggle. He struggled in this game. Uh, there were times he got put on the ground. And luckily for the 49ers, you've got guys who can navigate through that. Brock Purdy is one of the coolest and calmest in the in the room, and he gets it done. So uh, to me, just absolute fantastic from everybody else on the offensive line. I want to give credit to Feliciano. He stepped in and played so good for Burford. Uh, Banks is definitely getting better. You can tell he's dealing with some injuries, but he's playing well. And then, of course, we didn't hear anything really from Colton McKivitz. That's always a good day for an offensive lineman. And then Trent Williams is an absolute beast. Uh, so I thought the offensive line play overall was pretty good. I thought Jake Brendel had some plays he wanted back. And also a couple of calls he wished he had back as far as protection. But things get confusing. Defenses show you things you're not ready for, especially when it's a division opponent. So I thought overall Brendel had himself an okay game, but it was definitely some struggles. And anytime as an offensive lineman you find yourself on the ground, that's never a good day at all. But overall, I mean, you scored 45 points. How bad can the offense be? Playmakers making plays, that's what you need. On special teams, I'm concerned about Ronnie Bell. I, I don't know if anyone else is, uh, but, you know, I've seen him drop a ball out of bounds. Now I and a near fumble, and I don't want to criticize someone for something that didn't happen because a near fumble is not a fumble. But for whatever reason, he just makes me nervous. And so I don't know if the 49ers need to approach this situation. Ray McLeod's going to be out for a little bit longer. He's still on IR. Uh, the 49ers have went to Debo Samuel returning kicks. Let's be honest, the Cardinals wanted none of that. They kicked everything out of the end zone, which the 49ers started at 25. Great. But when it comes to Ronnie Bell, 49ers really need somebody like Willie Sneed to handle it, but they don't have the enough elevations. They've had to use elevations at other positions uh, from the practice squad. So it's probably going to be Ronnie Bell. But I wonder... Is it almost time for the 49ers to turn to Kyle Juszczyk? Kyle Shanahan has talked about Juszczyk is the best catcher of the football in the punt return game. Maybe it's time to just go with secure catches from Kyle Juszczyk and just, you know, have him fair catch it. Just make sure there's no problems. Uh, just a little bit nervous about it. We'll see. I want to give Ronnie Bell the benefit of the doubt. And I want to give him the opportunity to respond, but just something you don't want to have to account for. And then bravo to Brian Schneider. I come on here and I talk about it every week. Just kick the ball in the end zone. Don't allow them returns. Against Greg Dortch in Arizona, only one kick didn't go out of the end zone. And that kick uh, was handled pretty well by the coverage team. So bravo to Schneider taking that and making that a non-issue for them. Greg Dortch had the ability. You just don't want to put them in that situation. The four yards return or uh, kickoff coverage team is just not good enough. Um, so just take it out of their hands. Don't make don't make it a mistake. Have Moody kick it out. Yes, you would love for them to start, you know, sub 20 yard line. That definitely helps the defense, but it's better to not have an explosive play on a kick return that gets the other team out close to midfield and you have to defend a short field. Uh, it's better to make them start from the 25, make them go 75 yards for a touchdown, make them earn a field goal. I think it's perfectly fine. So I did like that. So yeah, I thought that overall the 49ers played well. There were definitely areas that needed a lot of improvement, including the run defense. And upon further review, that's where they need to work. Defensive line could get a lot better with Armstead and, and uh, Hargrave. I think it will with a rotation of Kinlaw and with Givens. But 
might be time to evaluate that fifth defensive tackle spot. You're going to consistently go the fifth defensive tackle. You might need to bring a veteran in, especially if Hargrave and Armstead aren't going to be available anytime soon. You need to make sure you adjust for that. But other than that, I thought that the 49ers played good enough football to win, and now they got to go play even better football to be able to handle the Baltimore Ravens. This episode, upon further review, is brought to you by uh, Bet Online, where the game starts. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Really appreciate it. I'm on the push for 5K and trending in the right direction. If you're listening on an audio platform, 40 yards cut back on Believe, please give it a five star rating, leave a review. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, you guys are the best. And more content's going to be coming out this week. Of course, going to get into the numbers. It's going to be the tail of the tape. Uh, check that out over on Patreon. Film breakdowns are coming out. And then a new episode of Slightly Offsides is going to be coming out very soon. So go check that out as well. So standalone shows just like that. A lot of fun. Lots of content coming out this week. Can't wait for all of it. But until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.